Craig, before you begin to speak, I want to share a vision that I saw before you stood up. Somebody is speaking. I am speaking. (laughs) I'm kidding. The Lord is speaking. (laughs) I'm kidding. Wow. That's awesome. Yes, go ahead. During the song, Make Room, uh, the Lord just showed me, and I'm erring on the, the fact that he wants me to share it publicly, but it was... These two angels came over beside you and very large and picked you up by each arm and you were completely limp with no strength, had nothing. And they lifted you up. You were completely limp. And, and then the Lord opened up the top of your head, began to pour a heavy, heavy lava-like black shiny kind of goo down and they, they walked you forward, and as this went in, it began to form a titanium-type spine and these massive monster um, steel boot-like shoes. And I, I kept thinking, okay, Lord, what, what are you showing me? What are you showing me? And he said, it's like, it's not, it's not this, but it's like what you've seen in Iron Man, that I'm putting his weakness in a suit that I have made for his power and for his protection. And so whatever he wants to do, it will be both to protect but to release and to allow you to move in his spirit this morning. Wow. Amen. I received that in Jesus' name. (laughs) I like the titanium, especially in the neck. That'd be great. Um... Well, last night, and there's a little ring going on here, but last night, I, up until I went to sleep, it's like, Lord, what do you want for tomorrow? Nothing. Woke up this morning, talking to Alexis, and Lord, what do you want? Silence. Still nothing. And he didn't say nothing. What I mean is he didn't say anything. That's what I mean. And so Alexis left, and I'm just worshiping. And then I open my phone, and I read a prophecy that had just come out minutes before. And as I'm reading this prophecy... Then Bryn sends it to our leadership team, the same prophecy. I thought, okay, we're at a beginning road here. The prophecy itself was exactly what he's been saying the last few weeks. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, wow, you're kidding me. Oh, no, there it is. It said the content was not available. I thought, did they block that? We may want to copy it before they actually block it. But, well, I'll be reading it, so I guess it'll, it'll be on here anyways. But, um, but I'm reading this prophecy, and there's a part in there that confused me. Like, it's all things that the Lord has said. So nothing was a surprise it was, you know, this is beginning or has begun, 
And yes, I mean, it, it, it was all confirmation as I'm reading this. And then it comes to a certain phrase. I said, wait a second, Lord. That isn't supposed to happen yet. And he said, this is different. Go to Zechariah. And he took me to Zechariah. And my mind exploded with what he's doing right now. That's what he wants me to share with you. But before we do, let's go to prayer. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. Father, we offer all of the worship that we gave and continue to give direct from our hearts. We offer it to you and you only as a sacrifice of praise. Father, I I wish I could say it was really a sacrifice. Because in turn you give us so much more. But we worship you. We praise you. We invite your Holy Spirit who is already here, we invite him to stay. I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. That you speak through me what you want. Not anything revealed by man or revealed by me. But only you. We come to your feet to seek you for a reason. Because you are the holder of truth. You are the originator of truth. You are the all-knowing, all-powerful God. And you have given access to your throne through the blood of your precious Son, Jesus, who is not dead, who is alive, who sits at your right, waiting for His enemies to be put into his footstool. We say yes. I speak for ignition. We say yes. Whatever it is that you want us to do, just show us. Just speak. Use me to speak this morning. I give you my mouth. I give you my my mind, my will. I give you my hands, my feet. Do with them what you will. We thank you, God. We are eager to see your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about war, obviously, because it started about a week and a half ago that Israel was attacked, and we talked about how significant that is, and talked a few weeks ago about Ezekiel 38 and 39 and what that looks like. We're going to go into, in some cases, more depth, in some cases, a little broad, to give understanding as to the times in which we're in, because even the majority of the bride would say, But it's tribulation. 
It's not. It's not the tribulation time. Perhaps for the first time, you are going to see proof of that in Scripture. Remember, I told you that the Lord told me way at the beginning. This was probably seven or eight years ago. He told me, Zechariah is my book that I lay out all of the future. And after reading it, I was like, okay. (laughs) I trust you because I don't see it. And as we came into each piece, the Lord then showed me and opened up the scripture to my eye to understand exactly what it was saying. He did that this morning. This scripture that he gave me, that he took me to in Zechariah, just came alive with understanding. Because sometimes it takes the events of the day to be able to recognize what scripture is saying. So it began with a prophecy, and I'm going to read that. It's by Veronica West. We've talked about her many times. In fact, the Lord, I'll I'll say this on camera for her sake, for when she hears this, because she will, that the Lord told us a long time ago she was ignition. And that we could trust the word coming through her. I don't know, that was probably three or four years ago, whatever, five years ago. I don't know, you know me with time. Could have been 20 years ago, not sure. No, I know it wasn't that long. She did say in this release that she didn't lay out everything that she saw in her dreams, but she had two dreams, and I'm going to read those. And she released the portions of it that the Lord would allow her to read, to release. First dream. In the first dream, I was in the nation of America. And I was staying in a beautiful hotel with my family when suddenly two armed men walked into my hotel room and announced that the hotel had now become their headquarters. Everyone in the hotel was locked down and were not allowed to leave their rooms. In the dream, I kept hearing watch and pray for hotels will become terrorist headquarters. And governments will seek to bring back global lockdowns as martial law and civil war breaks out onto the streets. That's heavy. But I want you to recognize there is nothing in there that the Lord has not already told us here at Ignition for the last few years. He's warned us of this coming. And we have seen it start to come out of other prophets now. And I think partially because we're there. We're there. Thankful I don't live in a hotel. (laughs) Or at least a big, nice, luxurious hotel in a city. (laughs) As much as I enjoy them. Then there was a second dream, and this is the one I want to focus on. 
Suddenly, the first dream shifted, and I found myself standing in the desert. I knew, it was, I knew that I was standing in the Middle East. And as far as my eyes could see, I saw dead bodies laying in the desert sands. The stench of death filled the air, and vultures circled high above the hot desert sands. But if that doesn't remind you of Ezekiel 38 and 39, you're, you're not remembering it. Go back and read it. I started to cry out to the Father, Mercy, mercy! But suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared at my side and spoke to me saying, Fear not, for the scrolls have been unsealed. As soon as I heard those words, I could hear the, okay, I gotta say something here first. Be careful what you assume. Be careful what you assume. Because 99.9% of the bride that read that are going to assume the scrolls of Revelation chapter 4. 4 and 5 and all those. Where they're unsealed in chapter 4. That's not it. It's not that time yet. Those scrolls can only be unsealed by Jesus Christ. And the Father said He would stay in heaven until His enemies become His footstool. That has not happened yet. But if you remember back in Zechariah, there was a two-sided scroll that was released just before where we are now. I won't take you back, but you could go back to a podcast. I, I think it said something about scroll, if I recall. We need to probably work a little better on our search engine to not just search title, but maybe search content. If you heard that, Michael, get on it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> right. But see, scrolls have been released. They have been released. And they've been released in judgment for the earth. They're out of Zechariah. As soon as I heard those words, I, I could hear the sound of horses' hooves galloping upon the desert floor. And as the galloping sound of the horses' hooves got louder and louder, the ground beneath my feet started to shake violently. And again, the angel spoke to me saying, watch and pray. The four horsemen are now on the move. And the time of the greater shakings have surely begun. See, we've been shaking since COVID. That was the beginning. That was the first woe, the beginning of the first woe was COVID. We're in the second woe now. The shakings have been great over the last few years. But nothing, understand what I'm telling you, nothing compared to what is at our doorstep. There is a shaking that will bring such fear into the world of those who are not prepared for it that even that fear will bring death. (laughs) 
As I heard those words about the greater shakings have surely begun and the four horsemen are now on the move. As I heard those words, suddenly I saw the armies of the nation of Israel standing to the right of me and they were moving across the desert floor. And then I saw what looked like a black swarm of crawling locusts to the left of me. And as I looked and looked again at the black swarm of crawling locusts, I saw that they were the armies of many other nations that had come together. And suddenly I heard these words, watch and pray for the United Nations shall come together and conspire together to turn against the nation of Israel in the coming days. Boy, if you don't see that starting to come, then you're blind. Pay attention. You know, the United Nations is already involved. In fact, Iran said, their, their, I don't know if it was their premier or it might have been their ambassador. can't remember. But he's standing on the United Nations floor and he threatens. In New York, on U.S. soil, although technically I guess the United Nations building isn't U.S. soil, whatever threatened us on our soil. If you don't see this coming, you're blind. You're blind. Open your eyes. As those words echoed loudly in my spirit, the ones about coming against Israel, the UN, again I began to cry out for mercy, mercy, mercy for the nation of Israel. And the angel of the Lord spoke to me, saying, Fear not. Watch, for the honeybees will restore what the locusts have eaten, and rivers shall flow forth upon the desert sands. Suddenly I saw the armies of the nations of Israel standing to the right of me, and the armies of the United Nations standing to the left of me. When suddenly I saw wells that had been, that had been dug in the desert sands, They burst forth, and the wells became geysers, and water gushed forth from the wells. And then I saw water rising from deep underground, and water bursting forth from deep beneath the hot desert sands. And a mighty river suddenly rose up in front of me, and the river separated the approaching armies in the United Nations from the armies of the nations of Israel." And suddenly I felt a mighty wind begin to blow from the east. And a hot searing wind began to blow across the desert sands. And I watched as a mighty sandstorm began to form on the horizon. And a massive cloud of the dust and sand moved with great power and acceleration toward the armies of the United Nations. And then I heard these words. Brace. Brace for impact. The storm is here, and the shaking shall bring a global awakening. When I read all of that the first time, it was what he had told us in in maybe different euphemisms, but it's exactly what he has told us is coming and is here. 
But then as I'm reading it again, there was that one phrase that confused me. And it was this phrase. Watch and pray. The four horsemen are now on the move. And the time of greater shakings have surely begun. Four horsemen. The only one I knew of is the same ones you guys know of, and that's the ones in Revelation, chapter 6, I believe. And the Lord said, no, no. He said, I need you to go to Zechariah, chapter 6, and let me open this up for you. So turn to Zechariah 6. As he opened it up for me, I will open it up for you. Remember before, and this was quite a while ago, when I I believe the podcast was called the, The Flying Scroll, or maybe it was something about a scroll, whatever. But it was I don't know, it was it was quite a while ago. It was probably within the last year, I think, but August twenty twenty two. Thank you very much. What's it called? Oh, you don't know. Okay. August, <laughs> August 20th of 2022, correct? So you guys could go back and look at that. That was... Wait a minute. And then May 2023 was again. Oh, May in 2023 was again. Okay, so both of those go look at. <laughs> Here we go. Three's a charm. Um, but that, that's when talked about this flying scroll that went out and it's written on both sides. What is a scroll that is written on both sides? It is a property deed. It is a ownership scroll. That's what they are in Revelation. Any, or, I, I'm sorry, in, in, uh, uh, in Jewish tradition, any scroll that's written on both the front and the back is a deed to something. It is a ownership of something. So that's what was released before, and I've told you the different places that the Lord has sent me on the globe to declare certain things, and this is what it was. It was these two things on this scroll, and then there was a vision of a woman in a basket, which was literally a remnant being saved, which if you go back and And listen, a remnant of witchcraft will be saved through this time because all the rest of it will be annihilated. It will be destroyed. A remnant will be saved and will be placed somewhere to be released again that will lead to the tribulation. And and again, we could go down so many rabbit holes here, but I'm, I'm not going to. But then chapter 6, it's called A Vision of Four Chariots. I'm just going to begin reading here. Again, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, four chariots came out from between two mountains. And the mountains were mountains of bronze. The first chariot had red horses, the second black horses, the third white horses, and the fourth chariot dappled horses, all of them strong. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said, These are going out to the four winds of heaven. After presenting themselves before the Lord of the earth, the chariot with the black horses goes toward the north country. 
The white ones go after him. And the dappled ones go toward the south country. When the strong horses came out, they were impatient to go and patrol the earth. And he said, go, patrol the earth. So they patrolled the earth. Then he cried to me, behold, those who go toward the north country have set my spirit at rest in the north country. You need to understand something here. Be careful not to get into your mind strictly geography. Okay, this is not about strict geography when it comes to Israel. And, and many times, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but many times I've talked about this war between two mountains. Mount Zion and Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is in the north. Oddly enough, it's in the north what is now Lebanon, but it is supposed to be and will be again soon the promised land. It's supposed to be within the land of Israel, but it's not because they failed to take it all. But instead, what is being, that last verse, what is being Put at rest is the enemy spirit that comes against God. We've talked about the war, the real war. What is the real war? The real war is between God's children and their spirit in this spirit realm and Satan and his third of angels that he took and his children, his seed. There is a great war between them. That's the war he's talking about. Don't assume that's a physical thing that now all of a sudden there's just physical peace. I think it means that too. But recognize the war, the battle is not just in the physical. Because to put his spirit at rest has nothing to do with the peace on the earth solely. To put His Spirit, and you notice that's capitalized, meaning the Holy Spirit, to put His Spirit at rest means that the enemy is done. The enemy is contained. The enemy is gone. So let's go back up. Because all of us recognize when we talk about four horses. And when you read this, you assume, oh, well, yeah, this, this is the four horsemen. Because this is kind of talking about the last days. And that's how I taught it for years. That's how everybody else that I know of taught it for years. But it's not it. Because the mystery of the bride was a mystery. It was not to be revealed until the time. Guess what? It's time. And God is revealing it. Because if you start to pull this apart, you see very quickly that it can't be the same. It can't be the same ones as Revelation chapter 6. But let's go through. Well, let me say this. In 
there's a little bit of difference in order between the two. But you've also got, let's see. You've got the the meaning of, you've got one of the horses that's different. And you don't notice it unless you dig into it. That is, in Revelation chapter 6, you have a pale horse. That's the last one. That one is, is basically uh, pestilence, right? It's, it's death. It's a green, kind of a greenish horse. It, it represents not only death, but it represents a certain kind of death. It's, it's pestilence. It's disease. It's that sort of thing. Okay, but let's go back then and look at it in Zechariah, and it's different, it's not a pale horse, it's a dappled horse. Okay, what's dappled mean? Spotted. Yeah. Spotted horse. So, just notice the difference there, and then let's go through these to really see what's going on, and I want you to apply it to today. Okay? I just wanted to show you the difference so you can see. This is two different time frames. This is not talking about the, the end times or the tribulation. This is talking about the readying of the bride, literally bringing the bride to a place of rulership where Jesus will rule through his bride, not being fettered by a bride of sin, but ruling through a bride who is holy before him. So he flows without any being inhibited at all. There's no obstruction. Then comes the rapture. But not until the bride reigns. Because there has to be something that Israel is jealous of. It's the very promises that God promised Israel will be done in the bride. Not to replace them, not to replace Israel, but to make them jealous, Romans 11, 11, so that they might see it was intended for them from the beginning. Oh, Christian, be careful of this replacement theology. You will find yourself on the wrong end of a prophecy. And I know many Christians that are turning that direction right now because of deception. There is a great deception going on. It's been built up over a long time. The, the foundations have been laid. And it's been building up and now it is coming out and holding on to its fruit. Those pieces of deception may surprise you. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now either. But the layers of deception is thick. And replacement theology, which means that the bride has really replaced all the promises to Israel is so false, it's demonic.
So let's look at this. In Zechariah's vision, he said the first chariot that he saw come out was red horses. The second black, third white, fourth dappled. Okay, what does that mean? We can go to Revelation chapter 6 to get some understanding of that. So let's go there. Remember, the red horses were the first that were released, which is different than Revelation chapter 6, but it's because we're in a different time. But let's look at what the red horses represented. It's in verse 4. And out came another horse, red, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. Check. That one's happening. You see it unfolding before your very eyes. And that peace that has been broken in Israel will go throughout the entire earth like that. Watch. I don't know if it'll be days, weeks, a few months. It's not going to be longer than that. can't be. But that first horse, that red horse, is to take peace from the earth. Not just from Israel. Not just from the 12 nations that come against her. But the entire earth. That's why we talked about a couple of weeks ago as to what is about to happen here in the United States. That's why I thought Veronica's dream, her first dream, was pretty wild. It makes sense. I mean, we're letting in almost whatever it is, 20,000 unknown aliens a day, a day. Do you think maybe one or two can slip through? I mean, I know we've caught, uh, what, 186 that were on the terror watch list? Seriously? You know, how many have we, I can't remember, it's something like 12 million or whatever? 20 million? 20 million people have come in since Biden administration has taken over, and we found 186 on the terror watch list. Woohoo! Good, good job, guys. You know, and that is not the border guy's fault, because if you are standing in the middle of a flood, you're only going to be able to catch what comes near you. They can't catch them. God allowed it because He is setting up. For peace to be taken from the entire earth. This red horse. That's step one. That's the step that has already begun. Let's go back to Zechariah. The second were black horses. Okay. Keep your finger going back and forth. Now let's go back to Revelation. What is the black horse? Revelation, verse 5, When he opened the third seal, I heard a living, the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm 
the oil in the wine. Boy, we've heard this in the prophets all over the place. Things are going to get scarce. They're going to get tough. You know, our, our thought is, okay, well, you know, let's, let's hoard, let's save up, let's this, let's that. And God has told us time and time again, he's got us. He's got us. You know, it, it, however long this goes on, it doesn't matter because he's got us just like the children of Israel. He will provide everything that is needed, everything, including food, including protection. He will provide all of this. But what is coming in that second horse? You've got peace that is taken in the world. What happens when peace is taken from the whole world? What happens to economies? They go whacked. Yeah. People start hoarding stuff. It's hard to get. People go out, and we've seen this. People go out and they steal from others. Then all of a sudden you have different levels of warfare. That's what this black horse will do. Go back to Zechariah. So you've got war that is upon us. You've got peace being taken away. And from that, you've got a result of that being crashing of economies. You've got people not being able to grow food, perhaps. People not being able to do this or do that to literally feed the economy. Because maybe they've been killed. Maybe their stuff has been taken over. Maybe it's been burnt. Who knows? Don't know. All I know is the Lord promised to take care of us. And that's all we have to worry about. But you've got those two things coming. Then the third, in verse 3, the third horse that moves out were the white horses. Now this one's interesting. Go back to Revelation, because I had to ask the Lord about these last two horses, and we talked a lot about it this morning. Verse 2 of Revelation chapter 6 says, and I looked and behold a white horse. Now in this case, the white horse was first, and this is how we know it. And I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. Who is that? Antichrist. Yeah. We've all known that. We've all known that in, in the tribulation to come. What is the first thing that comes out? The first horse. It's the Antichrist. Absolutely. Because it's the Antichrist that literally comes and brings that three and a half years of peace. But he begins to conquer. Now, don't assume that conquering is just because he uses his bow. Oftentimes, conquering comes because you have a bow. Thank Ronald Reagan. Peace through strength. That's why nobody messed with the United States because we had a bow. 
Since then, we've dismantled that bow. Now it's a little pea shooter. I don't know. I think we have a lot more strength than that. But in terms of leadership, it's not there. So this white horse is a leader. This white horse is a leader that brings organization, that starts to bring things together. In the case of Revelation chapter 6, it's the Antichrist. We know the end of that one. But go back to Zechariah. Because it's different. It's different for the bride. It's different for what God intends for the people, His children that believe Him. That believe Him. And this is different than Israel. Than what will happen with Israel in the tribulation. Because of the readying of the bride. But going back, the third horse were white horses. And I asked the Lord about that this morning. I said, well... How do those, what do those have to do with the, the white horses in Revelation chapter 6? And he said, there will come a leader who will lead. Who will draw the bride together. This has nothing to do with the nations anymore. Recognize what God is doing in Zechariah chapter 6 is for the bride, for his children. It's not for the nations of the earth. Whereas in Revelation, it is for the nations of the earth because judgment is coming on the nations for the sake of Israel. But here, God is drawing the bride together. And that white horse represents a leader. That will do that. That will not only draw them together, but will bring conquering to the earth. To those nations who would not even be for Jesus Christ. So they won't choose to be with Him, so they will be conquered by Him. So this white horse represents... A leader. In fact, it's the leader you see in the next chapter. Don't assume who that might be, because it probably would surprise you. And then the last one. And the fourth chariot dappled horses. Some of your Bible versions may say dappled gray. Um, the actual Hebrew there doesn't mean gray at all. It, it, it is dappled or speckled or spotted. Um, and it's interesting because it says all of these horses were strong. In other words, this was no minor effort. This was a conquering. There is a conquering coming of this earth by the bride. Does, does that sit with you? Do you guys understand that? Yeah. I mean, we have to go through war. We have to go literally through 
all the difficulty of it happening because nothing happens for free. But in that war comes a ready bride. And I'll just go one step further. I'm probably jumping ahead a couple of chapters here, but in Zechariah, but but when that does come, there will be time after that. I don't know how long. I don't know if it'll be a year or if it'll be a hundred years. I don't know. But there will be time to steward what he's given us to steward. The bride will have to steward what he has been, what he has given us. Because it was not stewarded correctly before. That's why in Psalm 82 it says, I will take back the nations because you have not stewarded properly what I gave you. The bride will be expected to steward. All the way from the top level of leadership down to everyday people. The stewardship of what he gives us is our charge. Now I asked the Lord about these dappled horses and I thought, you know, what, what is, okay, so, so we've got basically, whoops, we've got basically the red horses come, so, so you've got the war. Then the black horses come, it comes, which brings, that war brings this, this crash of economy, this crash of, of material needs. Then you have a leader emerge that starts to gather the bride, which <laughs> that in itself is pretty amazing. When you think about the Bride and how disjointed she is right now. God told me a long time ago, all denominations are going to cease. All religions are going to cease. There will be but one. There will be but one belief. And it's not done by any man. It's done by God. Just like it was with Israel or supposed to be with Israel. It will be done with the bride. So, so all of this happening, there will be, will be somebody who, this leader that God chooses to bring them all together. And then there's this spotted horse. And I said, okay, Lord, so you've got this leader doing all this. You've got, you've got you know, the war and then the, where you provide through the, uh, through the lack and a leader that's gathering it all together. And then all of a sudden you've got these spotted horses. What are they? And it wasn't until I was driving in here that the Lord just laid it on me. He said, go back to Jacob. Read Jacob. So I want you to turn to Genesis. Uh, let me see, where was it? Genesis chapter 30. You, you guys know the... You know the story with Jacob and Laban, and he wants to marry Laban's daughter, and Laban wants to use him and get free work out of him, and, and he does that, and, and it just becomes real contentious between the two. 
And, and basically, the Lord told Jacob, well, go and tell him this. And, and that, that's where we're at. I'm going to start reading here in Genesis 30. We'll go to begin at verse 32. Let me, and this is Jacob saying this to Laban. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And they shall be my wages. They shall be what I am worth. They shall be what I am given, right? So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and blacks among the land, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. What he's saying here is, I'm going to take the spotted ones, which are very few, and it'll be proof that if I have anything else, it's stolen. And God started to show me that is the spotted horse. It's literally, and you're starting to hear this in some of the prophets. I know I heard it through Julie Green. Where there are spoils to be taken. Just like when Joshua and the children of Israel went in to conquer the land. The first one... Jericho, there were, no, there were supposed to be no spoils taken, because that was offered unto God. But Ai and after, they were to take spoil. And they did. Every time they conquered, they took spoil. It built them into a great nation. Guess what? The bride is going to do the same thing. Now, I don't know for a second how that's going to work. Don't care. Because God is the one who gives and is sending that spotted horse. I can tell you this. A lot of things become available when almost 60% of the earth cease to exist. That's a grave statement. It's a heavy statement, but it's true. Businesses that will be owned by those who are of the enemy, the business will still be there with nobody to run it. I believe people of the bride will step up or step in. We'll take the assets that are there. We'll use them properly. And this is, like, this is a big deal. This is a heavy word because you are expected to steward it properly. It's not just, oh, awesome, we get things. I get to go down the road and pick out the car that I want. No, it's not about that. It's about you get to step into a place of responsibility. Of stewarding what God gives you for the sake of the bride, not just for your own sake. Those are the dappled horses. 
That is what is coming. There is a shift. God has talked about this for a few years now. There is a shift coming of the resources of the enemy who has controlled everything is being shifted to the bride. You don't even have to figure out how that's going to happen. Spend your time figuring out how you're going to steward it. How you're going to give it to Him. How you're going to let Him work through you in the assets that He gives to you. And it's not just about giving, especially if you're, if you're at this church. It's about how you're going to lead others. How you're going to pour into others. I want to go down just to read a verse in verse in chapter 31 of Genesis. Because <laughs> this is where God took me just after that. And it's what happened with Jacob. Verse 16. All the wealth that God had taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to do, do. In other words, God did this. God did all of this. Oops. Recognize that through this process is where we get to the final verse that we read in Zechariah chapter 6. I'll read it again, verse 8. Then he cried to me, Behold, those who have, who go toward the north country have set my spirit at rest in the north country. Okay. God's just showing me this right now. In the north country. You know... The Lord told me a long time ago, in fact, I assumed this, and it was incorrect, but because I know there is a spiritual battle that has been waged ever since the Court of Nations was opened up. By the way, that's chapter 3 of Zechariah. That happened. We've shared that. I had that experience of chapter 3, when I was taken to heaven. I'm not going to go down that route right now, but you could go back and listen. forgot what it was called. Anyways. That fight between heaven and hell, effectively, in the spirit, starts in the spirit. It's been going on for a few years. We've had, I think, 57 now, or 58 uh, Court of Nations cases, something like that. But the Lord told me, and he said it before, but he reminded me this morning that everything that happens in the spirit will, at point, manifest in the physical. All of these things will be manifest in the physical. But God has a particular goal. He said, I want that mountain. He said it in Deuteronomy. 
talking about Mount Hermon, which is the mountain where the angels came down in Genesis 6. It's the mountain that has been used in all of history to represent the enemy's domain. That's why Jesus, when he had his transfiguration, he was on Mount Hermon when that happened. And he said an amazing prophecy. He said, my church will not be stopped. He said, the very gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Now, for years, I always thought that meant that, you know, hell is going to come and try and pummel, 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 pummel the, the bride, and, and the bride will not be defeated. And then eventually God's going to come and rapture them and save them and then beat crap out of the enemy. That's not it at all. First of all, gates are a defensive measure. You don't go fight someone with your gate. Take your gate off and go beat them with it. No, a gate is a defensive measure. A gate is something that the enemy tries to go through that literally results in you being taken over. So he said the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. That means... Hell's gate will not stop the bride and her Lord, Jesus Christ. I find it interesting that at the base of that mountain, there's a cave. And this cave is called the gates of hell. Now, is it actually the gates of hell? I don't know. I know it's believed that, that I know that's where they summon, which God is it? Pan. They summon Pan there every year and, uh, and, and all of this. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's certainly figuratively the gates of hell. But the Father said in Deuteronomy, I want that mountain. That mountain will be mine. And I will stand from that mountain. He wasn't talking about Zion because Zion is already his. He was talking about Hermon. And we get to live in the time to see this happen. Not only that, we get to be a part of this happening. I don't know about you, that is overwhelming to me. It's exciting to me. I just, I'm blown away. So God opened up in chapter 6 the next piece. The next piece of understanding of Zechariah. Now, now recognize here that, and just to give you a little bit, because I used to think that Zechariah really kind of all flowed together. No, what happens here is you see a piece on the earth. If you keep reading, you'll see it. That, that, that God comes and conquers and everything's good. And, and effectively, Jesus leads. But then all of a sudden, it goes bad again. Wait, what? I used to teach that in the past and say, well, now it's just kind of, kind of like a memory going back and giving a little bit more information about it. Man, was I wrong. It's not it at all. 
It's because the first one is the mystery of the bride. There are two days of the Lord. And that first day of the Lord is upon us. By the way, it's not a single day. Okay, recognize what the day of the Lord is. It is a shift. It is a change. It is a judgment and a series of judgments. It is all of those things. And what we're coming down to now is the manifestation of everything that has been happening in the Spirit. doesn't mean more things won't happen in the Spirit. They will. They'll continue. But what has happened in the Spirit and has already completed in the Spirit has to manifest. It has to. Remember all of the spirits that have been put in the abyss. All seven principalities that were in charge of those areas are now in the abyss. All seven of each of their colonels, if you want to call them generals, are in the abyss. Satan himself is in a cage in heaven. No, he's there already. We don't need to do it again. Thank you, Siri. The Antichrist spirit and the false prophet spirit are in the abyss. See, the Antichrist can't come right now if he wanted to. And you might see somebody try. You might see Obama try, because I'm pretty positive he thought he was going to be the Antichrist. And, and, And I'm not saying other people thought he was. I'm saying I think he thought he was. I mean, either that or he's stupid. And I don't think he's stupid. Because he's posed on magazines as a god. His very acceptance speech was done at Mile High Stadium with a replica of the Satan's throne. The throne in Pergamum, which I believe it was either the, the temple of, it was Zeus or Apollo. I want to say Apollo. Go, go back and look it up. It was in Pergamum, and then Hitler, before he was in power, it was in the time he was building up in power, they took it from Pergamum, Germany did, and rebuilt it in Berlin. It's in Berlin right now in a museum. You can go look at it. You can pull it up on Google. Go look at it. And then pull up the acceptance speech of Obama and tell me if it looks the same. looks identical. Identical. And then go listen to his words in the acceptance speech. i got to tell you, those have another thing coming. This is not their time. The very spirit that would empower them to even do this is gone. In the spirit, that spirit is in the abyss. So we will see these things manifest on the earth. And we're seeing it every day. Just start, if you don't watch the news, start. 
you'll, you'll see it unravel in front of you all along. And God will open it up. Flex, come on up. Wow, the times in which we live, right? <laughs> um, yeah. That's the Lord. <laughs> Great You'll just question. You'll have to stick around. <laughs> you know, when we hear a word that is, um, there's so many emotions kind of that go through you. There's thrill, there's excitement, there's a heaviness, it's ominous, it's, it's amazing. And I know that our brains immediately go into processing and what does this mean for me and, and, and wanting, and I hope you are a Berean in that you dig and you get for yourself what the word of the Lord is. But um, I was thinking back there how, how much this does boil down to, whether it be our questions or how to prepare or what does this all mean, you know, on a, on a real personal level. We look at it kind of macro, micro, and we have to compare the two. And, Lord, what are you saying? It still boils down to what he actually said to us two weeks ago the word that, that, uh, that he had released to me that I was able to read to you. And he said, I am your preparation. It still boils down to, do you hear his voice? Do you know what he's saying to you? You know, God is a very practical God. He is going to tell us how to prepare both spiritually and in the human realm practically. He will tell us. Um, he, we will fully trust him. It's not about not trusting him, but he'll tell us how to prepare. Some of us, he's told us to get some additional pieces to get ready for certain things we might experience. Uh, most of that has been for others, whether it be cases of water or whatever. But it isn't about leaning on your own understanding in the pep, uh, prepper mode of panic. It's really about pressing into him and knowing that no matter what happens, whether he leads you to some additional practical steps uh, or not, he'll tell us in the moment what he's doing, but it'll all center around him very intimately. We will be anchored in him if we're truly prepared. His voice. And a lot of Christians begin to panic at times like this because they are not on a regular basis hearing his voice. They're not believing they even can hear his voice. They're reading his word, then hoping and begging that they can understand it. But the rhema word always is released in agreement with the logos word, the written word. And I said that to, in class, I was using Lacey as an example. If I write Lacey a letter and she only studies the letter and never tries to get to know the writer of the letter, she'll only know a part of who I am. Whereas if she gets to know me, I can tell her my heart and why I wrote what I wrote. She'll still know me from the letter or letters, but she won't know my heart in what birthed the writing of those letters. And that's why the Holy Spirit is our guide. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on a tour, a tour guide is the most talkative person. If you don't like to talk, you don't want to become a tour guide. You don't want anybody to hire you because you're going to be talking all day long with groups and groups and groups. Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks and he is the Father and he is Jesus. The Trinity is our one. There are three parts of one. So this hearing from the Lord is so key in this being ready 
in these days ahead. The Lord never gives us exact timing because he needs our dependence on him. And he also doesn't want us to prepare in and of ourselves. If we knew that November 6th at 6 p.m. was going to happen, we would probably withdraw from God and use our practical brains and our human wisdom to say, well, this is what we need to do from all my years of experience. No, he just releases what he's going to do, and then he says, listen to me in every step. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He will shine bright with each step, but he'll also light the way. And he is doing that as he's releasing what he even did this morning. So praise his name. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Thank you, God, for your written word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for the unsearchable ways that you are and the depth of your word, God, that as we seek you, as we believe you, as you said in your scripture, be careful how we hear, because when we will believe you, you will reveal more and more, more will be given unto us. So God, we receive what you've shown us today, but help us to dig in and learn what this means for us. Learn what this means as we're processing this amazing revelation and beginning to ask questions and understanding what it is fully that you're saying. I love that you are so personal. Even when words are released corporately in the body of Christ, you then take it into a personal place with us as we abide and dwell in the secret place and under your shadow I just praise and lift up the name of Jesus for who you are, for your love for us. God, I pray that you would drive this word home deep. I pray that the soil of our hearts will allow it to go deep and then produce a great harvest from the word. God, we just long to know you more, to be close to you. And I just pray, God, that you would guide us and lead us, Lord. Even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God, we will fear no evil for you are with us. Your rod, your staff, your correction and your direction. They comfort us. You prepare a table before us, a bountiful table before us, right in the presence of our enemies. God, because you anoint us with oil by your spirit so that our cup can run over. And even in the midst of circumstances that may look dire, only goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So open our eyes to see, as Psalm 27 says, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, as we enter into these heavy times, oh God, your holiness is heavy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for glimpses in my own life of the weight of your holiness that literally kept me pressed to the floor when we went into the court of nations over uh, Satan being bound. And I just have never experienced anything like that. I literally felt like, like dust, like you say in our word, that we, your word that we are but dust. God, because you are so mighty, so huge, so amazing. And yet, and yet through Jesus, you've given us opportunity for relationship with you. Let us not squander that. That is the most precious treasure we could have. So God, take us from this place, longing for more of that. 
so that more revelation can be even handled in our lives and in our minds. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.